Welcome to True Kinship with Animals, where we believe we all do better when all creatures do better. I'm Janet Roper, and each week I share stories and suggestions with you on how to deepen your relationship with animals, moving you from ownership to true kinship, one animal at a time. On last week's episode four, we took a deep dive into animism and how true kinship fits within animism. Included in that conversation, we touched on our responsibility as humans when it comes to true kinship. If you haven't had a chance to listen to episode four yet, and if you care to go back and do so, it laid the foundation for what we are talking about today. But just so we are on the same page about what animism is, my working definition for both my personal and professional life, my working definition is it's an awareness of what is beyond myself, the belief that everything has a soul, is connected, and because of that connection, it is possible to be in true kinship with each other. Today, the topic we're covering is when you have a certain dream or goal about your relationship with animals and reality falls short of that dream. You're not alone in this. We all have had dreams that fell short of reality. It happens to all of us, myself included. As a matter of fact, it happens to me regularly. That's life, right? That's just just the way life is. You're not a perfect stone model. You are a work in progress that is constantly in flow, moving back and forth towards your dream and goal of true kinship with animals. So many of us have been indoctrinated to believe when something goes wrong, that it's our fault, that we are a failure, or we did something wrong, or we don't deserve that particular dream. Personally, I don't buy that. What it means to me is that you are paying attention to what is happening to your dream in real life. You are aware when something is off and you realize you have the choice to do some tweaking or reevaluation of your goals and dreams. And that's not all bad news, right? So let me ask you this. What are you aiming for in your relationship with animals? I often ask that question to my human clients, and when someone tells me they try to deepen their relationship with an animal, but things, air quotes, didn't go as planned, my next question is, well, what was the plan? Was it a cookie cutter plan you found on Google? Was it a pipe dream you saw on Instagram about what it was supposed to be like? Or is it a plan based on the unique and flowing relationship between you and that particular animal? When it comes to true kinship with animals, there are some unvoiced expectations floating in the air, which are based in colonized settler thinking. Some of them that I have experienced and people have shared with me is, one, all animals are waiting with bated breath to have the chance to talk to us and share their message for our benefit. Two, all animals are here as our helpers, guides, or teachers. Three, that coming into true kinship with animals, again, air quotes, should happen because of a single grand gesture on the human's part. Folks, I've been there. I've done that. Some of the grand gestures that I have done include taking a weekend class, reading the latest book, signing up for an online webinar, watching a video or listening to a podcast. And the big one for me personally is believing that true kinship is a one and done thing. Do that one thing, 
check it off the list and boom, you're done. You are in true kinship forever and ever. But that has the ring of a fairy tale, doesn't it? If you do those prescribed things and magic will happen, you will be in true kinship with animals in no time. We are conditioned that when we do A, B will always, always, always come next. Well, you know what, folks? It's that way, except when it's not. So what happens when you do, do those prescribed things and the magic doesn't happen? I remember early on when I first started my exploration of animism, dipping my toes into the waters of true kinship with animals. That was probably about uh, 15 or so years ago. And in hindsight, I now know I was harboring dreams of saving animals by being the greatest animal whisperer that ever lived. I wanted to save the animals that were less fortunate than my animal family. I wanted to give a voice to the voiceless and help those poor animals who couldn't help themselves. There's no ego involved in that, right? <laughs> Actually, there's a lot of ego involved in that. And in all honestly, it wasn't until years later, okay, let's, let's just go ahead and call it a couple of decades later, that I learned about animals' own agency and the vital part it has in true kinship with animals. I didn't realize at the time that my attitude put animals in a position where they needed to be saved by me, a person who knew what was best for them because I was a human and they were, air quotes, just an animal. So on my journey to become the greatest animal whisperer that ever lived, I signed up for a live class on animal communication. That first morning, I sat in the circle, excited, nervous, and anxious. The morning was spent getting to know each other, learning about class expectations, and then an introduction to animal communication, which involved listening, asking questions, taking notes. This was followed by a break, and then it was time for our first exercise. The first exercise was asking the class dog a basic question to ask her what she had to say about being the class dog and helping us to learn about animal communication. Folks, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I connected just like I was told to do in the introduction that I had taken, oh, so good notes on, and I got a big nothing. I got sounds of silence. After the exercise, it was time to share what we got. Everyone in the room got wonderful positive tidbits from the dog. Then it was my turn to share about the big nothing. It was humiliating. I felt guilt, shame, and all those things that go along with not good enough. Decades later, as an animist, I am now able to look back on that formative experience with compassion. I have forgiven myself for all of the unnecessary guilt and shame I piled upon myself and carried for decades that I thought was my failing, my not being good enough. There's an entitled belief, and it's usually unconscious, that we humans carry with us when it comes to our relationship with animals, that the animals owe us whatever we are asking of them. When we ask for something and we get the big nothing, or we get an answer contrary to what is expected, we again can go to thinking it's our fault, we've done something wrong. But when that happens, what we need to realize 
is the animal is coming from their own agency, their own wisdom, their own authority. And folks, that's a very good thing. The assumption that it's somehow our fault leaves out some mighty big pictures in the scheme of things. It leaves out the animal's agency, it leaves out the animal's wisdom and authority, and it leaves out the nurturing and tending of mutual, reciprocal, true kinship. Learning to recognize and accept the animal's own agency is a big thing, and it doesn't happen overnight or happen because it's solely our intention, the human's intention, to be in true kinship with animals or an animal. When we start to recognize the animal's agency, we are going against what society and culture has taught and ingrained in us, what we carry in our genes, and what we often unconsciously think. We, the humans, have authority over animals. And that can be a heavy load. But let's get to the good news. Changes can be made in our relationship with animals, changes that are made with consistency and connection, one baby step at a time, sometimes moving forwards, sometimes moving backwards. And again, folks, when we do that tango of moving forwards, sometimes moving backwards, that's life. These changes are like being present with the animal and waiting for the animal to lead you to the next step if there is even a next step. Being willing to sit in that comfortable space of big nothing, knowing this is what it is, and you are not solely responsible for it. Recognize when you slip into that ever so natural and usually well-meaning state of disregarding the animal's own agency. Knowing what your boundaries are, what is yours to work with, what is yours to do, and also knowing, and this is important, knowing when it is not your job, when it is not your thing to do, and it doesn't involve you. Making complex and cathartic changes, like I described above, are more easily made in a community of like-minded folks. Why? Because we all sometimes need an outside eye to show where more changes are needed to model successful steps in making those changes, and to reflect where and when old patterns keep popping up for us. And we slip into that power over instead of relationship with stance with animals. And you know what? We also need community to celebrate and witness the good work that we're doing and the hard work that we're doing and the changes that we are making within ourselves. So what do I want you to take away from this? When you're connecting with the animals, be aware of yourself, how you are approaching them. Learn to notice when old patterns and habits pop up that ignore or block an animal's agency. Learn to notice, nurture, and tend those new steps that you are taking in recognizing the animal's own agency and acting from the animal's agency. Many thanks for joining me today. If you liked what you have heard, you can support this podcast by making a financial contribution, leaving a comment, giving the show a like, a follow, and or a share. 
To support this podcast with a financial contribution or to shop my wish list, visit my website at janetroper.com. Just for today, remember, we all do better when all creatures do better. Until next week, take good care.